Good evening, everybody. I got to admit tonight that I'm like that little primary school boy when called up to do his two-minute talk. He was nervous. He was jittery. His hands were shaking. His feet was knocking. And he got up, and I got to give him credit. He said, my topic today is Remembrance Day. We will now observe two minutes of silence. And he promptly went and sat down. <laughs> But we serve an awesome, all-powerful, almighty God who is always in control, even when we are not. This evening, for a short while, I'd like to share a few thoughts with you on the secret of the good life or the abundant life. If I were to ask you the question, what is the secret for living good? I'm sure that your answers would be varied. And there might be some answers like this. For example, eat right, exercise regularly, live peaceably with all people, and give to the poor. Good things we should be doing. Become successful, make lots of money, do whatever makes you happy. key component here in the things that people feel they have to do to have the good life or the abundant life are things that you have or that you're able to obtain. They're all related to self-effort. God is not in the picture. However, I'd like to suggest to you this evening that none of these acceptable are acceptable answers to living the good life. They may, in some cases, or in a number of cases, enhance the quality of life, but they're never lasting. And in many cases, as we say, easy come, easy go. True living or abundant living can only be found in Jesus Christ. Suppose I were to tell you that I could offer you a life that is guaranteed to give you the following, a joy that is greater than any other, a blessedness that is happiness in its fullest measure, and an assurance, of, an assurance of entering the everlasting kingdom of God, a peace that exceeds all human understanding. Would you be interested? I'm sure most definitely you would. Of course, that would be impossible for me to do. I'm a finite human being. But... Jesus Christ can and does. In the latter part of the Gospel of John, chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus Christ states, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life is offered to you by Jesus Christ through accepting his substitutionary death on the cross of Calvary as the means of your salvation. It was emphasized in his, his teachings, and I refer to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15 and verse 11. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Through the teachings of Jesus Christ, we can learn the secrets of the abundant life. And I looked up the word abundant because that's emphasized, the abundant life. 
This is what the dictionary said about the word abundant. A great supply, more than enough, the abundant life. And many of these things are found in the, again, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Let me read in your hearing, verses 1 to 5. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Listen to the last phrase here. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If we're not abiding in Jesus Christ, if he's not abiding in us, if God the Holy Spirit is not controlling our lives, then there's really nothing we can do for him. God is, should be, should always be in control. In these verses, in John chapter 15, an allegory is used with God the Father being the vine dresser, Jesus Christ the vine, and believers the branches. Jesus' purpose in the life of the believer is to produce fruit. Listen again at verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, we can be doing a lot of things, but not a lot of things for God. In this chapter of the Gospel of John, fruit is mentioned eight times. And it is interesting to note the progression as they mention the word fruit. In verse 2, we have fruit, then more fruit. And in verses 5 and 8, much fruit. We see in verse 4 that the branch cannot bear fruit on its own. It must be a part of the vine. So, too, believers, we cannot be fruitful, fruitful unless Jesus Christ or remain, abides or remains in us. It's, we need to be in Christ and Christ in us. Clearly, the believer has no fruitfulness apart from his union and fellowship with Christ, just as the branch out of contact with the vine is lifeless. It's dead. Therefore, a living union with Jesus Christ is absolutely necessary, for within this union, nothing is being produced. Without this union, sorry, nothing is being produced. In verse 2, we see that every branch that bears fruit is pruned so that it may produce more fruit. Clip off the dead leaves, the dead parts, just prune it. Pruning produces Fruitfulness. One of the secrets of the abundant life is fruit bearing. And to appreciate the truth of this, let's consider some of the different kinds of fruit we have to bear or we are to bear. 
But this pruning in the believer's life, too often, not just now, but as far back as you can go, a lot of people realize their need of a Savior. They need. They realize they're in sin. They need to confess their sin and accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior because of what he did on Calvary. He died for us. He paid the penalty for our sin. But a lot of people, once they make that confession of faith, place faith and trust in Christ, they think it's easy road from there on. I shouldn't have any problems, any difficulties, any trials, or anything of that nature. But as Christ has suffered, we also will suffer. Let me just suggest a couple of things of the kinds of fruit as believers we should bear. By winning souls to Christ and helping them to grow. As a believer, we are to disciple new believers as stated in Matthew 28 and 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So one way a disciple produces or bears fruit is by producing other disciples. Two, by sharing with those in need. Paul in Romans chapter 15 verses 25 to 28 speaks of contributing to the poor as fruit. And it reads as follows. But now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them. For if the, for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go by way of you to Spain, bearing fruit. Jesus certainly did this in his own way, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. If Jesus Christ the vine did, the, did this, then we the branches should do the same. 1 John 3 verses 16 to 18 reads, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world, this world's goods and beholds his brother or sister in need and closes his heart against them, how does the love of God abide in them? Little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but indeed practical, everyday living Christianity, not just word of mouth, say so, doing, reaching out. Third, we are to develop Christ-like character. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, we note the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Notice nine characteristics, but it's not fruits. It's fruit. Each one should be evident in the life of the believer. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law.
And notice, every one of them is a positive trait that should be evident in the life of the believer. If these qualities are evident in our lives, then we are growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, I read for you, Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, Christian love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, note that, and are increasing, they render you neither useless, useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These believers are being renewed according to the image of the one who created us. Colossians 3.10 says, And I have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him. And then a fourth thing, praising God and giving thanks. The author of Hebrews describes such activities as a sort of fruit. In Hebrews 11, 13, 15, we read, Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips, and give thanks to his name. Jesus the vine was known for such behavior. In Luke 10 and 21, at that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and the intelligent and did reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for, for it was well-pleasing in your sight. And then in John eleven forty one. And so they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. As branches of the vine, can we do less? No, we should always be giving thanks and praise to God. And what's that doxology that we used to sing a long time ago when I was in a burial society? Every night, once a month on a Wednesday night, at the end, they would sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We should always be giving thanks and praise to God. Now, what benefits are there in bearing such fruit? Let me suggest a couple of things. One, there is great joy for those who win souls. In the third epistle of John, verses 3 and 4, For I was very glad when brethren came and bore witness to your truth. That is, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. And then secondly, there is great happiness for those who share their possessions. This is learned by the believer as they experience the faithfulness of Jesus' teaching. He said in Acts 20 and 35, 
It is more blessed to give than to receive. But there's a little addendum I'd like to add to that. Oh yes, we can go, yes, oh, I give to the poor old, I just from sister, she met me and I gave her $50. It's the intent of heart and how you give. You don't give so that others will know about it. That's, that's not what it's for. That's not the reward. It's not there at all. If we're going to give with that kind of attitude, look what I do. Look what I have done. I'm always giving to the poor. You've already got your praise, your reward. That's it right there. You do it in secret that nobody knows about it. Perhaps you put it in an envelope. You put it in the offering bag and you just put the person's name. You don't even put from or anything. You know they have a need and you want to minister to them. But there's no glory for you. You want to minister to that brother or that sister's need. That's the kind of giving I'm talking about here. That's the kind of giving that we will be blessed when we give because we don't want to receive anything for it. Thirdly, there is great assurance for those who develop Christ-like character. Those who abound in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ have the assurance of an abundant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, and then 10 and 11. Now, for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, Christian love. Therefore, brethren, sisterin, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. And then the fourth thing. <clears throat> there is great peace for those given to thanksgiving. For those with this attitude of gratitude, there is the peace of God. And then this should be a familiar passage, I, I would venture to say, to all of us in here this evening. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but, here comes the contrast, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beautiful verses. We need to apply them to our lives. This is a peace which surpasses all understanding. That's human understanding. It surpasses it. And will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In conclusion, the life we have been talking about is one filled with joy, happiness, assurance, and peace. Some would say, in this life? Yes. If we know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, despite the problems, despite the trials, 
despite the difficulties, if we are trusting in God, if we're allowing him to direct our lives, then we can have the life that is filled with joy, happiness, assurance, and peace. Surely, this is the abundant life. Thus, the secret of real living is in bearing fruit. This abundant life is available only to those who bear fruit as branches of the true vine, Jesus Christ. Are you a branch? Am I a branch that is correct, connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ? That's a question each one individually will have to examine yourself. Have you placed your faith and trust in his finished work? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what Christ does in and through me is what's going to last. Not what we do on our own. What Christ does in and through us, that's what's going to last. And if so, Are we bearing fruit today? Let us, each of ourselves, this evening, this week, examine our hearts and lives. It's a personal thing to know, am I enjoying this abundant life, which is found only in Jesus Christ? I know him as Lord and Savior of my life. There was that point in time where I confessed my sins acknowledged him as Lord and Savior and placed faith and trust in him alone. I know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. But what about the abundant life? Am I serving him as he wants me to? Am I involved in the ministry or ministries that he wants me to be involved in? That's a personal thing we have to examine our hearts and lives before the Lord. And we can have that abundant life here in this world that we live in now. It's not a perfect world, but we serve a perfect, powerful, almighty, awesome God who says you can live, you can have the abundant life. There's some things that we have to do. Bow with me as we close in prayer. But before I do close in prayer, just listen to me just for a moment. I picked this up as a second thought. And if I'd have left it at the first, it would already have been under the rest of the papers and I would have forgotten it, but I put it at the end. The Lord knows when I should do something. And I'm sure you've heard it, but it's been a long time since I've heard this. It's called a sample, not a sermon. I've heard somebody use it uh, where they, with sermon, they put Christian. But I'll use what is here. It says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes are better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. The best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you let me see it done. 
I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. The lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. I may misunderstand the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. When I see a deed of kindness, I'm eager to be kind. When a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stays behind, just to see if he can help him, then the wish grows strong in me to become an, as big and thoughtful as I know that friend to be. All travelers can witness that the best of guides today is not the one who tells them, but the one who shows the way. One deed of, sorry, one good man teaches many, men believe what they behold. One deed of kindness noticed is worth 40 that are told. Who stands with men of honor, learns to hold his honor dear. For right living speaks a language which to everyone is clear. Though an able speaker charms me with his eloquence, I say, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Bow with me in prayer now, please. Father, again, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the admonition tonight that we can live the abundant life. You've set it out so clearly for us in your word. We just pray that each of us may examine our hearts and lives and take your word tonight. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.